Hello everyone, what is up? Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct. If you are watching me on YouTube, then you probably have some questions because this is not the same setup. Now I have recently moved, I moved a couple weeks ago, and I actually haven't filmed or recorded Killer Instinct in about a month. The past month of content was pre-filmed, so I've missed you guys and I'm ready and excited to get back to it. But if you are watching me on YouTube, you probably are wondering where the heck I am and why it looks like this. And I will say I know the backdrop or the lack of, for that matter, is very unappealing at this moment, but I am going to fix it. I have a whole idea for what's gonna go on behind here, so don't even worry. Also, I recently got a new mic, so hopefully it sounds a little bit better for you guys. I'm excited to hear if it actually does and if you notice an improvement in the quality of the mic. But enough of the housekeeping matters. As you guys can tell by the title of today's episode, today we are talking about the gruesome and brutal murder of Shayna Jaros. This is an unsolved case that occurred in 1995, and to this day, police have absolutely no idea what happened to Shayna. So I'm very interested to hear what you guys have to say about it and what your theories are. And with that being said, let's jump right on into it today. Now, Shayna Marie Jaros was born on July 15th, 1977, to her parents, Dwayne and Debbie. She was the eldest of four, having three younger siblings named Janelle, Jeff, and Stefan. She grew up in a town called Nokomis, which is in Illinois, and this town is definitely on the smaller side, and it pretty much is exactly what you would think of when thinking of a small town. The town itself has about 2,600 people in it, and up until Shayna's murder in 1995, the town itself hadn't experienced a murder since 1965. So that should just go to show that this was a safer community. And this town itself is exactly what you would picture, like I said, for what a small town would be. There were a lot of smaller family-owned businesses, a lot of rural areas and a lot of just little shops. And Shayna's parents actually happened to run one of those little shops. The family owned a cafe called the Time Out Cafe, and that was something that Dwayne and Debbie both worked on and worked at during the day. And then at night, Dwayne worked at a bottle making factory called the Hillsboro Bottle Company. So he worked at the cafe during the day, and then at night he would go for his night shift and work at the bottle company, and Debbie at night would stay home with the children. Now, Shayna graduated from Nokomis High School in May of 1995, and right after she graduated, she started working as a certified nursing assistant at a nursing home called Golden Manor. So that was her full-time job. However, in order to also make some extra money on the side, she did start babysitting. Shayna was described as someone who had a warm and inviting spirit. She always wanted to help people in any way that she possibly could. And one of her biggest goals in life was to become a nurse that either worked with children or Alzheimer patients. Shayna loved children. She loved being around them. She loved working with them. And she was known around the town to be a very reliable babysitter. Kids were naturally drawn to Shayna. 
Shayna was the type of girl who was very eager and determined, and she had a lot of goals in life, and she knew what it was going to take to get those goals achieved, and she wasn't going to let anything or anyone stop her or get in the way of that. Even in high school, when teenagers often experiment in rebellious behavior like drinking or drugs or anything of that nature, Shayna really stayed away from that. She was on the straight and narrow path. And so when she turned 18 years old, her first thing that she wanted to do was move out of her parents' home. Now, like I said, after she graduated high school, she did go on to attend the nursing school. So she didn't go to your typical college where there were dorms. So she wanted to get her own apartment. So ultimately, she ended up moving on to 527 Maple Street in Nokomis. So she grew up in Nokomis and continued to stay there. So even though she moved out of her parents' home, she was still staying in the same town as them. So they were very close by. The apartment complex that Shayna had lived in was a building that had been divided into six apartment units that were all on one floor. So there was no stairs or elevator access to get to any of the apartments. Shayna still wanted to be in close proximity with her family, but also yearned for a sense of independence. And when she got her first apartment, she was thrilled. However, her parents, on the other hand, were not as excited. Shayna's parents thought that Shayna was simply just too young to be living on her own, and they felt that there was no real need, considering that she was still going to be staying in the same town that her parents were in. Now, this was a big point of contention for a while between Shayna and her parents. And leading up to this, Shayna and her parents had a great relationship. However, regardless of that fact, Shayna still went behind her parents' back and against their wishes and signed a lease on the apartment without telling them. And as you can imagine, this made them extremely upset. However, what was done was kind of done at that point. So after she signed the lease, she packed up her belongings and moved into this apartment. And Shayna would move into this apartment only one week prior to her murder. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? Well, Apartments.com's Instant Alert feature works exactly that way. Instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day, simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let Apartments.com do the rest. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, Apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one. With more rental listings than anywhere else, Apartments Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. So this case begins on October 31st, 1995, so the night of Halloween. Like I said, Shayna was 18 years old at the time and was still getting settled in to her new studio apartment that she had moved into one week prior. And on the night of Halloween, Shayna decided to do one of her friends and neighbors a favor. She ended up taking her neighbor's daughter, whose name was Ronnie, trick-or-treating. Now, Ronnie's mom was named Kim, and not only were Kim 
and Shayna neighbors. However, they also worked together at the nursing home. And the night of Halloween, Kim unfortunately had to work the night shift. So in order for Ronnie to still be able to go out and trick or treat and enjoy Halloween like a normal kid, Shayna told Kim that no worries, she would take Ronnie trick or treating. The trick-or-treating started in the early evening and then Shayna took Ronnie back home. After dropping her off back home, Shayna then returned to her own apartment where she then prepared to have some of her friends over. So at around 8.30 p.m. on Halloween night, Shayna had a little get-together at her house, and this consisted of herself and three of her other friends. These three friends were Tanya Gilmore, Tanya's boyfriend Jason Carver, as well as Shayna's neighbor, Billy Malloy. Now, we're not really sure what the dynamic was here, if this was a double date between Tanya and her boyfriend and Billy and Shayna, or if it was just Tanya and her boyfriend and then Billy and Shayna as friends. That really has never been made clear. However, it was the four of them at the apartment. Now, at around 9.30 p.m., Shayna's father, Dwayne, actually brought over Stefan to trick-or-treat at Shayna's apartment. Like I said, the two arrived at 9.30, and Dwayne sent Stefan to Shayna's apartment while he remained in the car. Now, when Shayna opened the door, she was able to see her father and gave him a little wave and also gave Stefan candy before he turned around and walked back to the car. Now, according to Stefan, he said that everything seemed very normal from what he could see looking in to Shayna's apartment that night. He said that the four of them were sitting around playing cards and that Jason and Billy were drinking beers. So this get together that Shayna had ended up ending around midnight and that is when everyone went their separate ways and Shayna went to bed. Now, the next morning at around 6.50 a.m. on November 1st, Shayna's next-door neighbor, which also happened to be her landlord, walked out of her own apartment and turned and saw that Shayna's apartment door was open. Now, even though Shayna had only been living there for a week, her landlord still thought that that was a little strange because that had never happened before. So she took it upon herself to walk in to Shayna's apartment. And when she did, she was horrified. When the landlord walked into the apartment, she found Shayna on the floor of the apartment in the entryway hallway, partially covered with a quilt and blood everywhere. Now this landlord immediately got spooked and freaked out, obviously, and so she ran back to her own apartment and ended up dialing 911 immediately, and they arrived on the scene shortly after. Now when police arrived, they stayed at Shayna's apartment for about eight hours collecting evidence. The first thing they saw was that there were no signs of forced entry or any signs of sexual assault on Shayna's body. By the time that authorities were able to identify Shayna, they knew that the next thing they had to do was tell her family. Because again, this was a very small town. This was an everyone knows everyone kind of town. And Shayna was well known. She was the town's babysitter. She had a lot of friends. She didn't have an enemy. So a lot of people knew her. So police first tried to call Shayna's parents home. And at the time, Dwayne had just been getting home from his night shift at the bottling company. 
And if you're curious, because I did tell you that Dwayne took Stefan to go trick-or-treating at Shayna's house just the night prior at 9.30 p.m., like I said, Dwayne worked the night shifts, and so after he took Stefan trick-or-treating, he then went into work at the bottling company and got home around 6.30, 7 a.m. Now, by the time Dwayne got home and received a phone call, he figured that it wasn't anything important. At first, he thought it was about his car that was in the auto body shop so when he heard the phone ringing he was already in bed and just let it ring and didn't answer however Dwayne then knew something was terribly wrong when shortly after the phone rang police were at his front door when police arrived to Dwayne's house they then had to tell him the news that his daughter had been murdered Dwayne then called Debbie, who was also at work at the cafe at the time, and told her and she came rushing home. Now, Shayna's autopsy revealed that Shayna had been stabbed 54 times in her chest and in her neck. It also revealed that her throat had been slit from ear to ear. The official cause of death for Shayna was blood loss, and based on the injuries, the coroner concluded that her time of death was at around 4 a.m. So based on the coroner's results, that would mean that Shayna's body was only found just about two hours after her murder. So now it was time for police to begin their investigation, and unfortunately, this led them with more questions than it did answers. And we are going to talk all about it. However, before we do that, we're going to take a quick second and thank our sponsors for today's episode. So as you can imagine, and as we've talked about here before, stabbing someone 54 times is a crime of passion. To have the anger that you have to have to stab someone 54 times. However, that personal of a kill also led police to more questions because like I said, Shayna didn't have any enemies. She was very well known. She was very well liked and police couldn't think of anyone as well as no one who knew Shayna personally could think of anyone that would ever want to hurt or harm her in such a severe way. And like I said, the town of Nokomis in and of itself was a very safe town. As I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, before Shayna's death, there had not been another murder since 1969, and this is in 1995. Now, because of that fact, the Nokomis Police Department knew that they were pretty much way in over their heads with Shayna's case, so they decided to call in some more help. So on Shayna's case, not only did you have the Nokomis Police Department, but you also had Montgomery County Sheriff's Department, as well as the Illinois State Police to help assist in this investigation. Now, when police started their investigation, obviously the first thing that they wanted to do is speak with the last people that were known to see Shayna. So that would be Billy, Tanya, and Jason. Now, weirdly enough, Billy, Tanya, and Jason were ruled out very 
quickly. However, and I know this is where you guys are gonna get frustrated, as was I, the reasoning for them being ruled out as being potential persons of interests or just knowing anything at all about Shayna's murder has never been released to the public. The next thing that investigators wanted to do was talk to Shayna's neighbors. Like I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, this complex that Shayna lived in was a single story, six unit complex. That is very small. And even though she had only been living there for a week at the time, Shayna seemed to be getting along and knew her neighbors already. For example, you had Kim, the one with the daughter that Shayna took trick-or-treating. That was one of her neighbors. You also had the landlord. That was another one of her neighbors. And you had Billy. So that is already three out of the six that Shayna knew who lived in her complex. But police wanted to talk to her neighbors because the thought process here was that it would be very difficult for this attack to have gone unheard. Police thought that there was a very good chance that someone would have either heard the attack or have seen someone coming or going from Shayna's apartment. Now, unfortunately, one of Shayna's next door neighbors had been out of town at the time of her murder. So he had no idea. He wasn't there. He couldn't help in the investigation at all. And the other next door neighbor of hers was her landlord, which is also the person who found her body. Now, her landlord said that it did sound like there was some scuffing coming from Shayna's apartment at around 4.45 a.m. However, the noises weren't strong or loud enough that they concerned the landlord enough where she would have to take action of some sort. The landlord also said she didn't see nor hear anyone come or go from Shayna's apartment. Now, we don't know for certain what order the attack happened in, meaning we don't know if the stab wounds occurred first and then the attacker slit Shayna's throat or if it was vice versa. However, investigators have theorized that in order to keep the attack as quiet as possible, it would be more likely that Shayna's throat was slit before she was stabbed. Because if her throat was slit, she would have a more difficult time screaming or making loud noises. Now, there was no signs of forced entry in Shayna's apartment, which made police believe that it was very possible that Shayna knew her attacker and willingly let them in. Now, Shayna was a taller girl. She was almost six feet tall, and in fact, she used to joke with her family about being taller than all of the boys that she knew, and it was kind of the running joke that they had. So she was definitely someone that would have been able to put up a fight if it was someone that she was unsure of or worried about. However, with that being said, her personality being so warm and loving and caring, her family actually believes that just because there was no sign of forced entry doesn't necessarily mean that this was someone that Shayna knew. That possibility hasn't gone out the window, but they believe that because she was such a caring person, it wouldn't be hard to believe that if someone knocked on her door and asked for help, that she wouldn't give that to them just out of the kindness of her heart. Now, when it came to the physical evidence in the investigation, Shayna's apartment was in pretty much 
the same condition it was when her friends had left that night. Nothing was taken from the apartment. Nothing was stolen from Shayna's. All of her belongings were in the apartment. So authorities were able to rule out a robbery fairly quickly. Now, again, when it came to the physical evidence in the investigation, authorities were able to collect more than 200, 200 pieces of evidence from her apartment and send it off to be analyzed at the FBI's crime lab. However, those 200 pieces of evidence led to nothing. No DNA, nothing. And sadly enough, that pretty much is where the lengths of this investigation stopped. So because of that, and because there really isn't anything else to talk about when it comes to the investigation, and I warned you guys in the beginning, I said that this one is going to be a frustrating one because this is one of those ones where you want to know more because you know that there is more. There's more to this story than what this investigation has provided. And not saying that that is a fault on the police department's part. You know, this was 1995. Technology was not nearly as advanced as it is today. And also, Shayna's case did not receive a lot of media coverage. There really aren't that many articles out there about this case. So this definitely wasn't a case that got a lot of traction. Now, with that all being said, I do think that the next thing that we should do right now is talk about theories because I have a couple when it comes to this case and I'm not exactly sure which seems like the most probable versus the least. However, I'm going to share with you mine and I also want to hear what your theories are. Now, the first theory is that Billy, Tanya, and Jason were somehow involved or have knowledge of what happened to Shayna that night. Now, what's frustrating here is we do not have the information as to why they were ruled out so quickly in this case. Not saying we as the public deserve that information. However, it would be easier to craft a more concise theory if we did have the information. Because for example, the only three people that know what happened that night are Billy, Tanya, and Jason. How do we know for certain that they left at midnight and didn't stay throughout the whole night? Or if you want to break down that theory even further and say maybe Tanya and Jason weren't involved and that they drove home that night, maybe Billy stayed and maybe he tried to make advances at Shayna and she declined. He got increasingly upset and ended up attacking her. Again, all alleged, all a theory. However, we don't have enough information as the public to rule that theory out. So I'm interested what information the police have that they were able to rule him out so quickly. Because again, he was one of Shayna's neighbors. He easily could have walked from his apartment to her apartment. Maybe the party did end at midnight and Billy went home and then went back several hours later. And that's why Shayna allowed Billy into her apartment so easily. However, there also weren't any signs of sexual assault on Shayna's body. So again, that just leads to more questions. So that is the first theory, is that in some way, shape, or form, either Billy or Billy, Tanya, and Jason were involved or have knowledge of what happened to Shayna that night. I personally think it's very possible that Shayna's attacker could have been a woman. However, with that being said, Shayna was six feet tall and could have potentially overpowered a woman attacker. However, if that female attacker had an accomplice or another person involved, that could have possibly made things more difficult for Shayna and she wouldn't have been able to defend herself. To me, there's just something that doesn't sit right about the fact that three friends were at Shayna's house and four hours after they supposedly left, 
Shayna was murdered. And I think part of the reason that it just doesn't sit right with me is because we don't have the information to comprehend as the public why the three of them were ruled out. So I feel like I'm rambling on that theory. So let's move on to the next theory. And the next theory I thought of is I would be very curious to know who lived in Shayna's apartment before she moved in, if anyone had. Because Shayna had only lived in her apartment for one week. Is it possible that that person could have had an issue with someone? That person thought that they still lived at Shayna's new apartment. They went there looking for one person and Shayna was the one there. And that is who murdered Shayna. Again, that one does seem like a little bit of a reach. However, again, there's just such little information to go off of in this case that I don't think it's completely out of the question. The other just general question that I have in this case is that it would be very difficult for someone who had stabbed another person 54 times to get away unscathed. I would be very curious to know if any of Shayna's friends had any markings on them, any scratches, any blood. It would be very interesting to know that because obviously that could lead to more of an answer. Now, the third theory here is that this was just a random attack. However, personally, and I typically like to remain unbiased in my, you know, theories and what I believe, but I just, I don't believe that this was a random attack. I feel like Shannon knew, I feel like because of her kindness and out of the kindness of her heart to let another friend in early that morning was taken advantage of. However, you also have to remember that no neighbor had claimed to have seen or heard anyone else come or go from Shayna's apartment, which also leads to the question of, did her friends ever leave? And I know I keep circling around on that theory and I'm probably talking in circles about it at this point. However, there's just a lot of question marks with it. So those are my thoughts and my theories, and I'm very curious to hear what your guys' are too. So please let me know in the comments below what you think. And with that being said, guys, that is all for me today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. Again, if you are new here, hi, my name is Savannah, and I'm your host of Killer Instinct. Make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode. We post weekly on the podcast every Wednesday, and then again, every Thursday on YouTube, and you're not gonna wanna miss it. I'll be back next week with a brand new case for you guys. And until then, stay safe. Bye guys.